Hello, everyone. Before we get to our episode on Arrested Development featuring special guest and Sacred Cows player, Nika Howard, here's a quick list of the next few episodes and next few guests. On October 25th, 2017, we'll have our episode on The Matrix featuring Tim Lanning and Jennifer Cheek. You won't want to miss that. On November 29th, 2017, we will have an episode on Pulp Fiction featuring special guest Fred Greenleaf and Sacred Cows player Matthew Morris. On December 27th, we have an as-yet-undecided movie with a holiday theme, which will be... we'll figure it out yet. Follow us on Twitter to find out. Finally, in January 2018th will be a bonus month, as we'll bring you two episodes. On January 17th, 2018, we'll have our annual Star Wars movie panel, which will feature Star Wars The Last Jedi. But who will be on the panel? Stay tuned to see... And finally, on January 31st, 2018, we will have our 2017 Movie Year in Review and 2018 Year in Review in Advance episode. So let's get right to our Arrested Development episode featuring Nika Howard. Enjoy! Hey, Pete. Yes, Mike? You know, Nika Howard's going to be here in just a few minutes. Well, that's just wonderful. So, don't you think maybe you could have cleaned up in here? Eh, she won't mind. She will. It's kind of our brand. It isn't. Well, crap. Uh, how fast do you think we can get this place tidied up? Damn it. Hi, Nika. Pete did this. Hi, guys. I... Oh, it's pretty lived in in here well thank you see i told you she'd like it uh what's that oh this package was sitting on your doorstep when i got here judging by how dreadful it looks i'd say it's been here for a while (laughs) well was it my month to get the mail it's probably a gift from a fan or that thing i ordered online last week i don't think so i mean it clearly has skywalker ranch on the return address then it looks like it was crossed out and replaced with thx 1138 ranch Does that mean anything to us? THX 1138. What, is that like a country road address or something? Guys, I think it's pretty clear that this is from your arch nemesis. Let's Let's open open it! it. Huh. No loud boom. Well, that's a good thing. It's a disc. A movie disc. Hmm. So it probably is from a fan. This must be the next movie they want us to watch. Nice! Let's put it in. Guys, guys, stop. Apart from who this package is obviously from and what insidiousness might be afoot, keep in mind that I'm here to talk about Arrested Development with you two. Oh, right. Yes, uh, we should do that. Pete, let's skip that disc for now. I already put it in. It's Sacred Cows Tonight with your hosts, Mike and Pete, featuring Disembodied Voice Guy. Special guest, Nika Howard. No, no, no. You can't do it like that. This is the Arrested Development episode. Allow me. And now the story of a podcast that was stolen by a jaded Hollywood director and the two guys who had no choice but to start it back up again under a slightly different name. It's Mike and Pete's Sacred Cows Tonight. While Mike, Pete, and Nika were planning a fun show, 
he who must not be named in full, was showing a fun plan to a woman he didn't even know. Ha ha! Now that the tracking device is planted and active, I'll be able to keep tabs on Mike and Pete for all their no-good activities. For what purpose? It's all for... Wait, what? Who are you? I'm a lawyer. You should be used to us hanging around here by now. It seems all of George's friends are lawyers these days. What is the purpose of bugging Mike and Pete? Well, when I stole Mike and Pete's show, I was absolutely enraged when I found out that they just stole it back and changed the name. I immediately swore revenge, and I'm ready to take that revenge a step further than just phone calls. He wasn't ready. In fact, George had never proven to be any good at the phone call thing either, as he was such an ignorable character. Also, Mike and Pete never checked their messages. So just get ready to see some sparks fly. But haven't you got bigger fish to fry? Your empire is crumbling around you, your legacy with it. Look at this place. You had to rename it THX 1138 Ranch. No one under 45 knows what the hell that means. Your bids for a live-action Strange Magic and an all-female Red Tails remake were rejected without them even looking at the scripts. Do you really want to keep going on after these small-time podcasters? Ouch. For whatever reason? Nothing else matters now. You... Who the hell are you to question me? What are you even still doing here? I thought I fired all my lawyers. Actually, they all quit when your custom Beverly Hills Cop 3 checks started to bounce. I'll bet that one surprised you. Go ahead and look it up on IMDb. I'm actually one of Disney's lawyers, and I'm going to be staying here for a while. I've got a bad feeling about this. You're not allowed to say that anymore. While George's plan was getting off the ground about as quickly as a third Death Star build... Mike, Pete, and Nika were gearing up to talk about the critically acclaimed ratings bomb, Arrested Development. Welcome to the Sacred Cows Podcast, the podcast where we talk about things that you remember and don't want to forget in general. Um, I'm Mike. And I'm Pete. And with us today, we have Sacred Cows player and Academy Award-winning podcaster, Nika Howard. Oh, hey, guys. Congratulations. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Thank yeah, good you work so much. On that. Thank Very you. recent uh, win. Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, it's been a week, a week and three days. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> <laughs> and has the glamour worn off yet or are you still riding high on uh, that one? Not at all. I make every opportunity I can to tell Danny. Um, and I actually got to talk to some friends about it last night. So yeah, it's been pretty good. Pretty good so far still. Well, so far, you're the only Academy Award winner that we've had on here. And uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon unless uh, we get George off our backs. So. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So. Big congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about, uh, I don't know, the thing that you won the Academy Award uh, for as well as, I don't know, anything else you want to talk about? It's a little uh, obscure, but you, but I think there might be some people who don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am also on a real play 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Drunks & Dragons. Uh, we record right now uh, more frequently than we normally do, but usually it's every other week. We live stream it on Twitch so people can come and watch. Um, we just, yeah, we have fun. We do some murder, uh, save some lives, and drink while we're doing it nice 
Nice. It is very How lovely. Very hilarious. So fun. It's my favorite yes. Monday drive. Your live show in July was was very funny. Oh, thank you. Thank Loved you. Loved it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we are here. We have a lot to discuss uh, to talk about the TV show Arrested Development. Yeah, this is a really special uh, phenomenon for uh, for network TV. I think um, it's uh, well. Well, we actually have uh, one of the uh, biggest fans. I guess I don't want to put it that way. We actually have a huge <laughs> fan of the show, uh, Nika Howard in Nika Howard uh, here today. So uh, I'm looking forward to a pretty lively and in depth discussion about this one. It's a great yeah. show. It's so good, and I think that a lot of people. Um, I think the the hardcore fans know how deep some of these jokes go and everything. And I think that's what makes part of the show so good is there's so much thought put into it. So I'm excited to, to jabber about it for a while. Right. Well, you know, um, if I may just run with the ball a little bit here, Mike, um, this is actually a fairly old show. Uh, but I came to it rather recently. I don't know. Have, have either of you, were you watching this show back when it was actually airing on Fox? No. Or when, did you come to it later I'm part well? of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think that, like, I can remember it maybe being on, like, seeing commercials for it, but I never watched it. Yeah, I was in the right. same boat. I, I don't... I don't know if I even remember hearing about this show. Maybe one or two people had in passing mentioned it, and I mm-hmm. was just like, oh, so there's a TV show on TV. Interesting. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> never got it's to a it. quasi-comedy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool, I guess. But, I mean, that's the reason this show went off the air. Nobody was watching it. Every, the, the, the dozens of people who were watching it loved it. <laughs> and uh, everyone else ignored it, which is a real shame because it is a, a real gem. It's brilliant. It's so good. It for me, I think that this is for sitcom shows. Definitely in my top five, if not my top one. I think. I really, it's it's really good. It's, it's so well crafted. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. It's it's it's. Uh, I think Pete, you had the right idea. Let's talk about. Um, a little bit about the history. So the show ran originally from 2003 to 2006. I know, a really long time ago, right? Yeah, Jeez. And, and then Netflix brought it back uh, in 2013. Is that correct? Am I getting that right? That is correct. That is when they came out with the fourth uh, season. So uh, there was the gap there, basically, that Netflix decided, hey, let's start uh, doing our own TV thing. And then uh, that's kind of this is kind of what kicked it off for Netflix. So... If you love any other Netflix show, you can thank Arrested Development for that. But what I want to know from you guys is how each of you came to Arrested Development, how you found it. Nika, let's hear your story. I don't even, I can't remember. Like, I know, even though I never watched it whenever it was live airing or currently showing, I just can't ever remember a time where I haven't watched it. It had to have been some random thing where a friend was like, oh, this show is funny. You should watch it. Or maybe like they were watching it and we caught an episode and then we started watching it on, God, it would have been Netflix whenever like getting the DVDs and everything like that. Oh, wow. (laughs) But, but I don't think that I can ever remember like the specific moment when I first started watching it. Hmm. Okay. It's lost to the mists of time. 
It is. It is. But it, but it, it, so I'm sure in a way it feels like something that, that has been a part of your life for a long time. It, it does. It's weird. It's like a, a, kind of like a shitty family member that I know is always there for me whenever I'm feeling really sad, but it just, it, it's, it's over too fast. Well, that's, that's funny because this show is populated entirely by, by, by shitty, shitty family, family members, members <laughs> who make you laugh. <laughs> so, oh man. Uh, that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, well, Mike, do you know how I came to this show, Mike? Uh, no, I have a good story too, but go ahead. <laughs> you, you had something to do with it. Uh, I'd never, like I said, I don't even know if I'd ever really heard of this show uh, or hadn't remembered that. But then one day, Mike, our Mike, comes up to me and says, Hey, have you ever seen the show Arrested Development? We must have been talking about TV or something. He wouldn't have just come up to me and said, You ever hear of Arrested <laughs> Development? <laughs> Uh, and I said no, and he's like, "Well, do you want to? Do you like the idea of a show where every single line is a joke, and if you're new to the show, it's completely funny jokes, and if you are a fan of the show, it's completely funny recurring jokes?" And I said, "That sounds fantastic." So I watched it straight through, and I watched it straight through again, and I think this is the year the fourth season came out. So, um, oh wow, there was so new, you're new, new material new. as well. I'm really new. It's be, it would have been 2013 that I started watching oh this, and I'll just say it has gone on to be easily my favorite comedy TV show of it's all time. So good. Yeah, yeah. I I've been. I mean, I waited had to wait for a long time for season four to come out, <laughs> and it was one of those where I was just like, "Are they going to do it? Is it ever going to happen? <laughs> I need more." Yeah. So, I mean, at least you didn't have to wait too long to get more. No, I came along at the right time, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but Mike, let's hear your wonderful story yeah. about uh, <laughs> Arrested Development well, and you. Well, I started watching Arrested... That should be in it. The, the Arrested Development inside you. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started watching Arrested Development in, in 2011 when um, I had uh, sustained a uh, running injury where basically I uh, tore some tendons and... Um, was uh, working on that. Uh, I ended up finding it on Amazon when I was planning to to go into my surgery uh, in in 2012 um, uh, after watching a couple episodes. And then, uh, so I bought the whole box set of the first three seasons for like pennies. You know, it was like one of those crazy Amazon deals. So I remember I started watching it in... in, uh, in uh, 2011, and then like as I when I got to my surgery, I basically like binged it during my recovery because I was stuck at home on the couch uh, for the second time. So, so uh, it's perfect for that. Yeah, basically, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it got me through the uh, through a running injury, which uh, kind of a uh, kind of a uh, kind of fun, I guess. Identified a little bit with Buster. Yeah. No hand, you know, whatever. No, yeah. <laughs> no foot in my case for a while, technically, you know, uh, a missing, yeah, right. not a missing, not uh, digit, not missing, sort. but you know, now, uh, cybernetically enhanced, if you will, <laughs> missing in action. And now, you know, bionic. Did you, did you lose it? No, it no. lost to you. No, no. Are you a monster? <laughs> I, I'm a monster. A monster. <laughs> I'm a monster. I, I have a hook Robo foot. foot. A hook foot. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this show is really great for just. If it, you know, if you, I can't say that I've had a whole lot of injuries that laid me up, but um, if you just feel like laying on the couch for a day and letting these episodes come one after another, it's really well suited to binge watching. Um, if you haven't seen it before, uh, 
you, you just get hooked right away and you want to just keep watching it until basically you've gone all the way through. So it's, it's just that kind of a show. It's very engaging. It's hilarious. Uh, and one thing just leads to another and you let it happen. Very, very awesome. It is it's awesome for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so now we, we all know how we got to Arrested Development now. Um, for me, this is the third watch through. Um, for this particular episode, or this episode recording now, I watched it through um, the third time. So it had been a few years. Uh, how about you guys? Did you watch it through again for this, or did you just uh, selected episodes? I started watching through. I did not get finished watching through, but um, I think I'm I'm in season two. Okay. Okay. Enough of it has has lingered with me within my heart and soul. So I don't think you'll have a problem. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nah. Sure. Sure. Well, I have very recently, uh, compl- like within the last year, completed a full watch through of this um, series. At which point, I then immediately went back to uh, uh, episode one and started another. Uh, watch through without any break whatsoever. Now, I don't think I got through that second watch through, but I wasn't planning on watching a single episode of Arrested Development for this show today. And then I figured that's a terrible idea. So I at least <laughs> looked at an episode guide to see if I could find some of my favorite ones. And that's impossible because I have dozens of favorite ones. So actually, they're all wonderful. Um, so I just started to watch again at season one and then skipped around in two and three a little bit. And uh, I got so stoked for Arrested Development just watching like eight episodes that I'm going to probably go back and do a full watch through again now <laughs> after, you know, tonight. I'll probably you had start it just tonight. enough to give you a little tease of it. Yeah. And it's just it's hilarious. I mean, every second of the show, it, it you know, it's either a gut buster or pretty damn close, essentially. <laughs> And I like that. I like to laugh. You know, I don't I don't I don't need to feel sad when I'm watching TV. I like happy. Yeah, it always is better. I think because I feel like inevitably for every sitcom show at some point, there is going to be that season or that moment where something sad happens and Arrested Development just doesn't have that. It's just funny all the time. Yeah, well, it's a bunch of shit that should be sad because it's all sad and pathetic and they're terrible people and, and horror and they, you know, I don't know, in, a, in some parallel universe, this might be on the air as a drama or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, they just make light of absolutely everything. They do. Irreverently, hilariously. <laughs> so I guess per Sacred Cows Tonight tradition, I think we do have to do the um, 10,000 foot view. So... Let's just yes, just give us the plot rundown. Yeah, let's do the plot rundown. Do we want to do it per season or just like the overarching um, plot? Because I mean, it kind of there's a lot. There's a, it's very dense. So the ten thousand foot view. Nika, would you be willing to do that in however way you'd want to? Arrested Development is the story of a family who is being um, pulled in every which direction by bad business decisions that are not only on the father's part, but through different family members that not only affect business, but then their real lives and I guess how they all deal with it or don't deal with it. Yeah. So? Yeah. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and I know the story. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'll, I'll add to that. And they're all dysfunctional in their own way and surrounded by people that are not related to them that are also dysfunctional. Yeah. Everyone is, Everyone is 
dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> but a huge source of their woes um, throughout the at least original run of the series are due to the patriarch's somewhat light treason which he was actually yeah. framed for <laughs> against the united <laughs> states government uh by selling uh treason. condos in iraq uh sorry mcmansions in iraq yes so, so that's kind of a plot point but you know somewhat incidental to the actual action of the story which is just you know hilarity uh, uh through dialogue the entire time and ostensibly i think uh the main character at least in the original run um is probably michael and the other Michael Blue, Mi- yep. Mi- oh for sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, the rest of them are, are are more side characters until you get to the fourth season, where like everybody gets to be the main character in the fourth season. Like every character, all, all of the yes. Blue family. Do you, do you feel like the um, the seasons themselves uh, kind of well each each season kind of represents its own arc um, and kind of feels ha- has a different feel than the rest of the show. I kind of think, do we want to kind of take them one at a time and talk about them a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah sure. Or, or just in a more general sense? No, I think that's good. That's because we're like, it's like whoever said it, it we're not going to give anything away um, by talking about too much here. I think it's just going to make people more interested. And I think that's kind of what uh, this episode will be about. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to hear these syn- a synopsis of, you know, season one, two, three, and four and be like, well, great, you saved me the tr- trouble of watching. Right. It's like, no, no, watch that shit. You're going to love it. So uh, I'll do the synopsis of season one. So uh, it starts basically right. with um, Michael Bluth is as the main character. Um, uh, he's played by, um, now my brain is skipping the name, um, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. He's played by Jason Bateman. And he's about to become the uh, CEO of the Bluth Companies. Uh, The Bluths are a wealthy family. And uh, George Sr., the father, is going to retire. And so handing over the keys to the castle to Michael. And basically, uh, that shit goes bad because, of course, uh, George Sr. may have committed some, some light treason. And the whole first season is about Michael uh, deciding that he needs to keep the family together and deal with the fact that uh, George Sr. is in jail and and all of these dysfunctional people just trying to live life. To leech money out of the family coffers. Yeah. The company, (laughs) basically, which is the family's coffer. (laughs) So... Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, um, when I, I, so I did go through and watch the first part of, of season one and then look at the episode list. Um, and I think a lot of the memorable moments that I remember from Arrested Development, you know, a decent portion of them were actually in season one, which surprised me because I was ready to come on here and say that like season one was kind of like the experimental season where they were kind of getting it right, but then it really hit its stride in season two. I still think season two does hit its stride, but, um. But, uh, yeah, uh, season one had a lot more value in it than I was expecting is what I'm, my position is. I feel like they, they did season one so well, like, I don't know exactly how many seasons they were expecting to get, or if they already knew that they were going to have at least three seasons whenever they made each, you know, like whenever they made season one, did they know by that time halfway through that they were going to get a season two or did they, you know, finish all of the season and then say, okay, yeah, you're getting another season. So I like that they're, they're kind of self-contained seasons, mm-hmm. but 
each season is so good. And I don't know if the reason is because they didn't know if they were getting another season or just because the writers were that good that they made each season wonderful. I do. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. I do remember reading Hmm. something about like uh, Arrested Development during that time because I... I've always been big on like, uh, well, reading about like awards shows and stuff like that. And I know, you know, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. great movies didn't win Jack, you know, same with great TV shows, but, but, um, a lot of them do. And I remember this being like a critical darling and basically, um, Fox kept it around for a long time just because of, they wanted the, the trophy hunting, you know, it was trophy hunting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ron Howard said that uh, Fox kept the show on life support much longer than they, you know, strictly needed to, you know, because it was losing money, I'm sure. Um, but they just liked it so much. And of course, it was cr- critically acclaimed. So they, they kept it going for longer than it might have ha- had a lifespan otherwise. Well, and it was during a period when Fox wasn't particularly winning a lot of trophies and things like that. So that was one of those things that they could see, like, you know, the Fox Network, um, home of Arrest Development, blah, 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 and these are Emmy Awards. So they could just say those things. You know, like TV networks do sometimes. NBC's always trotting it oh, out. Oh, yeah. So, so stuff like that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I agree. It was, it was so on point. The writers were so good. It's so tight. It's so tight. I sometimes think of the seasons uh, of, like, what what's George Bluth doing? Like, in the first season, he's in jail the entire time escapes at the end uh and then in the second season he's a fugitive in their attic of the model home and, and so that yeah <laughs> and, and in mexico for part of it for sure um this is the season where the season one introduced far more of the plot points than i remembered it doing but season two was where those really started to flesh out the whole thing with uh uncle oscar who's also uh jeffrey tambor <laughs> I think it's really great that he plays that double role. The fact that he's possibly Buster's father. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is where like Stan Sitwell is uh, introduced. This is where Tobias both joins the Blue Man group, according to him, and becomes Mrs. Featherbottom from Blackstool, which I just <laughs> love that. I love that few episodes that he does that in. It's just hilarious. Oh my God, I didn't even just realize Just take a squirt of frosting when you take your medication. <laughs> <laughs> this is Blackstone. I love that. I love it. I love it. Who's ready for a banger in the mouth? Oh, I'm sorry. You just call it a sausage in the mouth here. We just call it a sausage. <laughs> oh, God. Hilarious. And I think there's there are just so many things that are so good about it. But the thing that I love about Arrested Development is that people who have watched it one, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who's watched it and didn't like it. And two, they just have unending amounts of like sayings and jokes and lines that I feel always work their way into conversations that I'm having with people who who like the show. And so I think that that's like a really great thing that the show is always kind of with you in that aspect that you take away all the, the the jokes and saying, oh, I blew myself or, you know, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. All of that. And the callbacks, the callbacks, like I, going through, oh, yeah. through season four, um, basically like, uh, you know, you think that this joke is dead because it was like Tobias was in Blue Man Group on, uh, you know, what, season two? 
and then like all of a sudden in season, season four, two, yeah. you know, it comes back like, oh, I just blew myself again, you know. <laughs> Right. No, he said, I right. blew myself for the first time in a long time. <laughs> and that's what, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay. That's the one. Yeah. While the gang was cracking wise about a funny show, George's unwise plan was about to start cracking. But it will still be funny. Sir, I really need that signature that Disney sent over here a week ago. I'm serious. I will start moving my jean shorts and denim shorts into your spare bedroom. Your what now? <sighs> Here's where the harsh judgment always starts. People always wonder when they hear that, and everyone knows there are dozens of us out there, so I'll just clear the air. I'm guessing you're asking yourself right now, is she a never nude? No. I'm asking myself, is she also a never nude? Oh, my. This just got uncomfortable. Um, why don't we return to the podcast for a while? So season three is an interesting one. Do you all agree on that? This is the one where George has been rediscovered, but now he's under house arrest in their home. He's no longer, or in Lucille's home, I think, no longer a fugitive per se. And it has We Britain. And uh... it has We Britain. Yes. Mr. F. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. F. This, this season is zany, far zanier than any of the others. And it, it's interesting that, yeah, that We Britain thing is a full, like, six-episode um, arc, which is also something they hadn't done before. Huge, huge uh, episodic arc like that. Um, they just did weird things in this series. This is the one that had the Judge Reinhold show <laughs> and the, the William Hung Hung Jury. Uh, <laughs> this is the one where they literally documented themselves uh jumping the shark in order to try and get viewers in that um that like uh fundraiser episode oh yeah save our bluths save our bluths that's yeah one. sob <laughs> this episode or this season i wonder if it's because they weren't getting renewed but they just made a lot more jokes directed at fox so it was all it was very passive aggressive but i also loved it so much oh yeah that was like a thing in I remember in the 90s, like any show that was on Fox would would make fun of Fox quite a bit. I, I specifically remember it happening on The Simpsons and The X-Files and uh, and other shows that were airing on that network. But it's kind of their brand. SaveOurBlues.com actually did end up existing during that time, too. That was actually a, a thing that they were they were really, really pushing you towards that. <laughs> Try to get signatures. I think Arrested Development really made it okay for serialized comedy where the jokes could also be serialized, not just like the overarching plot of the show and such. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, cause I don't think that you see callbacks that much in other shows that aren't like dramas where it's something like a big deal being mentioned, but this is just like casual, like just random jokes that Arrested Development talks about in season one that you see, five episodes in season three or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They, the masters of the art, honestly, <laughs> I've never seen it anywhere since this. I also think arrested development wouldn't be exactly what it is without the um, narration, which is not something that every show has done. In fact, I don't um, know of any show that has been comedic that has narration that I've, at least that I've watched. Um, most of it, I think of like basically the Wonder, the Wonder years, years, you know, 
which is, you know, a drama, but has occasional comedy in it because, you know, life has funny moments. But um, mm-hmm. I don't remember such a sassy narrator as Ron Howard. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah, he really makes the show. And when I first watched the show, it might have been the whole first run through that I didn't even know that was him. I was like, who the hell's voice is that? Um, but then, of course, when you get to season four, it, it, it you realize it at that point, because not only is he the narrator of season four, but also a main character in season four. He inserts himself into the actual story as himself. But what what did you what did you guys think of season four? What did you think of season four? I, as much as it pains me to say this, I always stop watching at the end of season three. <gasps> I watched oh, I watched season right? four once, and I didn't think that it fit as well with the other seasons. Even with season three being so off the wall that it is, it didn't feel the same as those. Like it. I don't know. There was just something about it that I just couldn't like totally. It's not the same as the other three. You're yeah. right. It isn't the same as the other three. Well, Mike, Mike, what's your what's your feeling about season four? I really have come around on it on this um, the third time through. Um, I think the second time I was starting to change my mind on it. But it's because of the structure, I think, that, that really ruins it. I mean, not ruins it. Ruins it is a bad word. I think there's lots of funny moments, but the the rest of the things are organized in such a way that um, each episode is a self-contained story. Whereas like season four is really like a, for lack of a better word, six hour movie. It's, it's like one big, it's like thing, one big episode, one big episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, largely it's, be, it's because structurally they couldn't get all of the, the cast back together, which they have assured us that for season five, they're going to go back to a, a more normal structure and all of the cast will be there in one. But um, I liked it. I liked it. I, uh, I liked it for the ending, which I won't spoil. I thought that was appropriate uh, that um, the one character that, well, actually all of the characters have changed throughout the series, but, but yeah, I like the ending. I think the strength of season four is in the rewatching you should really give it another shot, Nika, because when, when I watched it the five. first time, I wasn't in love with, you know, and, and it didn't help that a bunch of people had been like, oh, I just don't really like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not that great. Um, and then, then, in fact, the whole Internet, well, not the whole Internet. It's a divisive uh, uh, subject on the Internet. A lot of people hated it. A lot of people loved it. But I think the the strength is in the rewatching. It's really well tied together, and I've almost I've more or less come to view it as a masterpiece. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not like the rest of the season, but I do think that it is extremely w- tightly well woven together, like a wonderful tapestry that should be it should be binge watched as quickly as possible. Though, <laughs> yes. it, you, if you could watch that thing all in one day, that would not be a bad strategy. If you do you think that watching it again made you think that it fits better with the first three seasons? Or do you think that you kind of just have to take it as this is arrested development, but it's not the same as the first three seasons? I I do feel like it's different. You can watch it immediately after watching it is jarring to start watching it immediately after third season, which you can do, of course, easily with Netflix. Um I, I guess I treat it like its own thing. It's kind of a single like movement 
in the uh, in the symphony of Arrested Development, whereas the rest of it is kind of more like little pop songs that string yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, that actually is a good way to put it. it the other the other uh, seasons are an album, and this is like like uh, a concept album. I was gonna say it's like <laughs> maybe either either that or like a uh, um, prog rock. You know, it's 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 Tool yeah, or right. Rush or. <laughs> Or something like that, where it's like all one big giant song that plays for eight hours. You know, it's meant to be. It's meant to be uh, enjoyed all at the same time, if possible. Which eh, it's very possible for someone like me. Uh, <laughs> just put it on, and that's my that's my day. I do think there are so many moments in season four that are just like genuinely hilarious and and good pairings that you don't see, like. I loved that there's a Tobias pairing with um, Lucille in, in season four. Like basically Lucille and Tobias, like the rest of it are just kind of like two seconds and she insults him and that's it. Whereas like they're kind of forced to coexist uh, in season four in a certain episode, you know, so some of these things that don't happen in the other seasons where uh, you get some interesting pairings. They took the time to expand it, explore different options. And it's probably just because David Cross and, and Jessica, oh no, Jessica... Walters? Walter, yeah. It's probably just because those are the only two actors they could get that week or something like that. So they're like, okay, quick, a storyline for these two. Because, yeah, that was the the thing with that season. It makes so much sense to put, basically, I mean, um, Lucille hates everyone, pretty much, Um but especially Tobias. Um, and it's fun to put them together. And she doesn't care for Job. No. But. <laughs> uh, so with that, I think we should, we're going to start peppering some questions in as we continue talking. So um, we did ask for, for user questions here. And I've got one from uh, Logan the Kiwi expl- at e- explogan42 on Twitter. It said, uh, what did you think of season four? Will it work better when it's edited to be chronological? Which, let me preface that there are fan edits on the internet um, of season four that do it in a more traditional um, fashion. So what are your thoughts on that question? So you just got done hearing me say that I liked season four. Um, I don't think that it relies on the order that things are presented in. So if there are fan edits out there, and I, I guess I had heard of those, I wouldn't have a problem with watching those. Uh, I think it'd where be they, interesting. Yeah, where they mess with the chronology a little bit. I, I think that would be okay, honestly. Like a machete watch of Arrested Development instead of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in the orders that they're supposed to go. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be interested to watch it to see if, one, rewatching it to see if it changes my opinion of it, but two, just to see if different chronological order would help at all. I'd like to see something fresh because, again, I've rewatched this series five times now, I think. I just wonder how you'd actually... In a short time. How you'd actually pull it off if it wasn't an official edit. I mean, obviously, somebody, some people did. I mean, I guess I've heard of them, but with the Ron Howard narration and everything like that being a lot of uh, the exposition and, and well, let's face it jokes too. I mean, obviously uh, Ron Howard's narration also makes fun of the Bluths a lot. Um, how would that actually pull it together? Yeah. Now that you, now that you mentioned that Mike, they do the first few episodes of the season 
are kind of a little difficult to absorb if you're going through it for the first time and even probably the second time because it waits for several episodes to explain many of the things that you see in the first few episodes, which are just kind of confusing at first. So maybe that little special surprise factor wouldn't be there if you did the edit. But then again, if you're just rewatching, you don't need a surprise factor. That said, I notice something new every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I had forgotten how um, how much like the f- season four was like. Hey, we need to catch up. We're keeping this chronologically. This takes place in 2013, so we need to tell everything that happened to each character from 2007 till 2013. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little strange trying to you know see the the older actors you know made up to look like their younger selves especially the kids um and Lindsay they've changed so much <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lindsay looks like a you know if you didn't know she almost looks like a different person well and then of course uh in the original series the original three seasons you had uh young George still played by Jeffrey Tambor but then in uh, season four, you get uh, George and Lucille. Young George and Lucille are played by Seth Rogen and Kristen Wiig, which I think Kristen yeah. Wiig knocks it out of the park as a young Lucille. Although you can tell that she's physically taller than Jessica. She nails the uh, yeah. she nails the physical uh, the facial features oh, yeah. or uh, expressions and mannerisms just perfectly. But Seth Rogen's kind of a stretch for me as George Senior. <laughs> I could see Seth Rogen as an yeah. Oscar. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I don't know who they would have gotten for him, though. Honestly, they, you know, I'm sure Seth Rogen was the one who had an interest in doing it. So. So let's do another question. Uh, Matthew M. Morris, our, another Sacred Cows player, but he will be on in a couple of months. Um, which Bluth is the best Bluth, i.e. the one that you enjoy the most. Ooh, can we do in-laws too? Yeah, go for it. Let's go with our guest first. Nika, who's, what's your yeah. favorite Bluth? Oh, this is really hard because I feel like there's so many different things that I like about so many different people. I have to say, I think my favorite is Lucille. Um, Lucille is an inspiration to me in the way she drinks her vodka and just how like <laughs> She, I just, like, one of my favorite jokes is, um, I don't understand the question and I'm not responding to it. Like, she just has this <laughs> yeah. sass about her with everything that she says, and I love it so much. So, I think Lucille's my favorite. I like that she told her kids that vodka spoils once you've opened the bottle, so you have that's, to drink it all gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell everyone. Like, I, yeah, that's, that is the joke now, because... Someone will say like, "Oh, you have an open vodka." I was like, "Well, yeah, but you know, I gotta, I gotta drink it because once you open the bottle, it goes bad." So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, her relationship with uh, Liza Minnelli is also pretty fantastic. Just trading endless barbs. Yes, they're like true frenemies. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Mike, who'd you, who's your favorite? If you had to pick one, eh, do we have to pick one? Okay, if you had to pick one. Oh, geez. Um, if we're going actual Bluths, I would say, um, hmm, I would probably say George Michael, just because I appreciate, not because he's the funniest, 
Um, I appreciate how he's sort of the innocent kid uh, with weird, obviously with weird ideas and feelings and stuff, at, at least in the first three seasons, put through with this bunch of weirdos. And I just like seeing how, you know, he's kind of their, uh, the straight man, like just lost the whole time, yeah. you know, and his reactions and things like that. I think that was the perfect part yeah. for Michael Sarah to basically be introduced to the world. Yeah. He's not that funny, although he is, but you know, like funny happens around him. Right. You know? That's going to, well, it's the, it's the straight man role. Yeah. We were talking, Mike, you, you were trying to decide if Michael was the straight man and no, no. And in many ways he's just as bad as all the others, but uh, George Michael, like you said, really uh, is the innocent character. Well, until season four. Right. <laughs> He gets some character development. If we're going as far as extended blues, then I would say Tobias. I mean, Tobias hands down, just because oh, yeah. every dumb thing that he says that comes out of his mouth is... <laughs> I mean, I I love that episode where he's, he's, he's like, listening to himself with the tape recorder, and he's like, yeah. is everything that I say suggestive? And he's, like, you know, listening, like, no, nope, not that, no, nope, not that. And, and, of course, everything he is saying is suggestive. He just can't, you know, hear himself. <laughs> He's like, if I can't get one in the can before noon, I'm going to be upset or something like that. (laughs) He's like, okay, out of context. (laughs) Tobias, you blowhard. Yeah. (laughs) He's definitely the wackiest, like the wackiest things happen to him due to his own actions, basically. Yeah. Um, He finds himself in the the bizarrest situations of any of the characters, I think. And he has no idea who he actually is at all. Like, he... He just is the the blindest to himself, he's and he's a psychologist, an actor, right? Yeah, <laughs> an, an actor. <laughs> oh. And one point owned a drag club, and yeah. and uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I think it's smart that they made his character like that, just for the whole like attitude and personality that he has. It fits so well that he wouldn't have one specific role, because could you imagine if Tobias was like if he was just a psychiatrist and he just like they just had him interacting with patients all the time instead of trying to be an actor and doing all of these like weird groups like it just i don't know it just fits like his personality and everything to be that actor and then how they portray it is just so good oh yeah yeah exactly yeah that that character is a very well crafted character hilarious i love the episode where he's like going through uh what what's her name um uh the blind lawyer gosh don't remember the character's name um oh uh but julia but julia Lee Dreyfus, uh, yeah and like, oh yeah he's like i'm a cat i have cat like oh, reflexes uh, maggie yeah, and the, maggie liser yeah and then liser yes. ass like they, yeah, they, right. they they pay they pay so much homage to the fact that he does have like these cat like reflexes he's always like pouncing on people after that for like the rest of the series um yeah, but I love that he's like, you know, basically doing some weird like um, yoga parkour in her house, like on furniture and stuff like that, trying to get around the fact that she's blind, but she's not actually blind. She's just like following him around with like a baseball bat, you know. <laughs> and he's <laughs> yeah, she just wears sunglasses around the yeah. house. Like that, I think is so hilarious because they had the opportunity just to have her like club him and just like he could have known before everyone else that she wasn't blind, but they kept it where she keeps up the lie. Oh yeah. And it was so, it was so hilarious. And so 
such a good moment to see that happen. Isn't there one point where he's like grabbing for something and she like slaps his hand and then he doesn't realize that it was her? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. I think so. Yeah. I think he gets out of that sequence because he's like trying on her perfume or something <laughs> sprays and her. sprays it in her eyes and then she's like, <laughs> "Oh, I really am blind now." So when Michael tries to prove that she isn't blind, it, he like nails her in the face with the Bible or something <laughs> yes. like that. And he's like, that was my idea. Yeah. What's yours? Oh man. Uh, All right, Pete, what's your, so many wonderful moments. Who's your favorite there? Bluth? Um, well, we've already talked a lot about Tobias. Obviously I think he's an extremely, uh, funny individual. Um, I like Job, uh, his, the way he delivers his lines. He's obviously, no, no, hold on here. He's a terrible human being. They right. all are. They all are. God but is he, the worst. The, <laughs> his, his hapless, I mean, his life is just so, he's completely inept and he's a failure and he's, you know, a joke um, because of his, you know, magic illusions and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, which always fail. I like the, the card trick where he's like, he showers her with diamonds, clubs showers her with club sauce you know he's just like a clueless idiot that fails time and time again but he's either too dumb to get flustered or discouraged by it um or he's smart enough to know that he's being an idiot but he's just so outrageously confident that he just charges straight through it and doesn't care so he's a very interesting character oh and he rides around on a segway uh, and so whenever like a segue is needed, a metaphorical segue, he like shows up on his right. <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of funny. And he's constantly throwing like doves and rabbits into the ocean because, again, he can't keep any of his trick animals alive. Uh, but uh, like <laughs> there's a lot of scenes where he's just at the pet store returning like piles of animals. that He's he's killed like Frozen doves. a dozen. Do mice. not eat. I keep yeah. these one for the tricks. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do not eat. I keep these mice for the trick, uh, miscellaneous, uh, but they're all dead. So I don't know. He's hilarious. He's my favorite. I love that he loves his brother so much, yet he always is like antagonized by his brother. He's so selfish. Right. Very much so. But you can tell he just wants somebody to love him because yeah. you know, his father oh, never yeah. played ball with him and nobody takes him seriously. and. He's the eldest. What is that damn line? He's like, I'm the firstborn, treated like the second, always third to the yeah. third, third in line. <laughs> fourth. Is what it, is it? Yeah. It's uh, it's something oh, fourth and then fifth wheel. Fifth wheel. I have six place. things that I'm angry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, I just, that episode I just watched. So. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that, it's just the writing for all of the characters. It's, it's like. They had their personalities, all of the characters, they had their personalities so down pat mm -hmm. uh, and knew knew who these people were that they were just so good at writing their, their dialogue. Nika, you have to rewatch season four because that's where they introduce the um, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend thing for, for Job. Uh, that wasn't in the previous ones. That's pretty it feels funny. like it should have been. Wait, I was going to say that wasn't? No. Because I remember no, that. I, no, it, it wasn't. Nope, it wasn't. It, huh. I mean, he's always had his like sad moments, but like he he did a Charlie. Every character had a Charlie Brown moment. At least the, the kids the, did. Yeah. The Charlie oh. Brown walk. Um, yeah. But uh, mm. but no, he, he Hello Darkness came in season four, and I feel like everybody <laughs> references that, despite the fact that some people yes. have season four. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that there aren't good things, just as a whole, I don't think that season four felt no. as cohesive. 
it'll do a good job of bridging the gap to season five if they go back to the traditional uh, style, I think. Yeah, I'm excited I think so. I think the funniest episode of season four is the Job episode where he meets up with Mark Cherry, the little, you know, like teen pop singer. And uh, he's got the trunk full of bees and they all get stung. And, and there's that song. Go away, get away, stay yeah. away, get away. A lot of the music that I've noticed that they do parts for, especially if it is music that has words, is very fitting for the situation that is happening. Throughout yeah. all of the seasons. Yeah, the music writer for the show is just awesome. And like the soundtrack for this show, I've never listened. Well, you know, I've snooped around on YouTube for an hour or something just looking them up. But I bet the soundtrack for this show is just fantastic. So I think we're ready for another question. Uh, we have from TJ uh, at Billy Talent Forever. What is a better business to start, beads or bees? Whatever you miss here first, right? Go with that. I think that they actually have really good points. In the current day, I would say bees, because you can get that good local honey and everything. But during the time that that episode was shot, beads. Because I, as a teenage girl, loved bead rings, bead everything. So just being able to buy beads was great. So current day, I go with Job. At the time, I'd go with Lindsay. (laughs) There was a time in my life I was pretty big on beads also, but... I thought I was allergic to bees for a while, so my answer would have been beads, but then I found out through allergy testing that (laughs) that I'm not so allergic to bees, so hooray for bees. (laughs) I pick beads because they won't kill me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I just wanted to point out, um, uh, uh, I don't mind telling you that I tend to have some nerdy uh, characteristics about my personality. So I like to do things like read additional materials about my favorite things. That would be things like Star Wars and Star Trek and Arrested Development. Uh, There's this wonderful website uh, that is called Recurring Developments. Uh, That's recurringdevelopments.com. And I wanted to point you at this because this is an interactive visualization of all the running jokes, or at least the the ones that, you know, appear enough times to be considered a running joke in Arrested Development. Um, It has two columns. Uh, On the left side, there are all of the, you know, running jokes and gags and stuff like that. So if we click on, say, uh, well, I I actually like the... uh, the blah 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 character he's not a bluth but blah Love the blah, character, blah don't like the Where actor the anymore blah 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 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> blah 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 but the whole point of blah blah blah's character is that his name sounds like you're saying blah 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 so this when you click on blah 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 it'll draw a line to all of the episodes that he was in and you can hover over them to see what the funny instance was like there's the blah 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 blog uh, blah 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 bomb. That's a low blow. Blah blah blah. <laughs> um, that kind of thing like that. But uh, it is drawing a line over to the right column, which has all of the episodes. Um, and so if you uh, just click on one of those, it will draw a line to all of the running gags that are in that episode, which is maybe even a more useful. Yeah. Tool. It'll also show you things like I just clicked on season three episode eleven, Family Ties. Um, this is where he, uh, hires the prostitute. He thinks it's his sister and she blows the entire staff (laughs) basically. And Michael's like, you're missing an important word away. She's blowing you all away. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Um, 
but it also has columns for you might not have noticed uh one time callbacks because some jokes aren't running beyond just you know a couple of a couple of uh, uh instances and it shows some cameos too this is the site I mean, I think if you like this show and you want to junk out on it just a little bit more than watching it a whole bunch, you want to check out this site. This site is what clued me into Tobias. Yes, he seems to be gay, but did you also know that he's probably an albino African-American, a triple A? Uh, yep, this explains all of those things, and it, it's really quite uh, fun to to go through. So for your next cocktail party, study up on this website. Give it a shot. Seriously, before we started recording tonight, this website was a lot of what I was brushing up on. <laughs> so it's pretty funny stuff. All right. We have we have two questions that are directly related to each other. So okay. I will just read them both at once. Um, uh, they're from uh, Ben Cook, at the Ben Cook, and uh, John Caulfield, at Nudzer. Um, ben Cook asks, uh, favorite chicken impression, follow-up question, what is your best chicken impression? And of course, uh, John Caulfield also asked, can you all do your best chicken impression? So I guess uh, let's talk about the favorite chicken impression from the show first. Unfortunately, the dance component won't go very well on this video. <laughs> That's too bad because it has a dance component. It has to. That's the best. Um, I think that mine is... Uh, God... Anytime we do it, I always want to do the kookachoo. Kookachoo! Kookachoo! I like the With Job, his shuffle. The one where he, actually, my favorite one is the one where he starts to do it and he realizes his ankle is hurt. You know, like falls over. But we have four more questions. Um, uh, Wonko the Sane at Sir Wonko the Sane uh, asked, "What is the rest of development?" Uh, if you got this far into the episode, I think we answered that, <laughs> right? The answer is go watch it. Yeah, you can get on Netflix and watch that thing. Yeah, you can watch all the seasons. All right, so we we have one last question. Um, this is from again from Matthew Morris. If you had a banana stand. What would be an appropriate amount of money to put in it? What a weird question. <laughs> Just enough so that there's always money in the banana stand. Yeah. I think th I do think that half a million dollars is a good amount. I would bump it up maybe to uh, three quarters of a million. I think you could really line it in there. Yeah, you have to account for the inflation too and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I would use a more fireproof currency, like mm -hmm. uh, quarters. Like maybe just construct the entire thing out of quarters of and then quarters. paint it yellow. <laughs> no, you, first of all, they couldn't they couldn't throw it into the bay like those vandals have been doing since the '60s. It'd be too heavy. It'd be so it unassuming. Wouldn't burn. Yeah, right. You know, you could like crash a car into it and it'd survive. It'd be fine. I think this is a great plan. <laughs> have either of you been out to the real banana sand? Okay, so I have to say this is. This is my saddest moment. Whenever we were in California last week, I did not make it known to the people that we were hanging out with that I liked Arrested Development because we were only 20 minutes away from the original banana stand. So I could have gone had I mentioned Arrested Development oh. sooner than last night at the trip. Oh. <laughs> so 
so I did not get to go, but I was within the vicinity of it. Oh, that's that's closer than me. I mean, I've never been to the the West Coast. That's a sad thing for me. So, do they um sell frozen bananas out of this thing? Like, is this a just a, a prop for the show, or is this like an actual thing? Or I think it's just the location where it's filmed. I don't know if there is an actual banana stand still there. Because that, which be I great. hope there is. Yeah. Right. But I'm not for certain. Maybe, as I say, maybe it's one of the things that's run by, like, Fox as a little nod or whatever. Just like occasionally Los Poyos Hermanos opens up for Breaking Bad in New Mexico. Uh, sure, sure. Oh, cool. You would have only seen uh, the Banana Stand Mark II anyway, Nika. They burned the first one down in, see- in yeah. episode one. <laughs> or, sorry, two. Episode two. <laughs> that's it for questions. So, um, I guess this is where we have uh, some closing thoughts before we talk about the actual fate of the show. So... Does anybody have any closing thoughts? Did anybody mention to this point that Buster Bluth loses his hand in the show? Or did we talk about that already? Have we talked about Buster at all? Not <laughs> we so talked... much. Buster is a great character, though. I love Buster. He's a great character. I suppose there's not much to say about him, really. He's the uh, He's failure the most... to launch. <laughs> yeah, childlike of all the Bluths. Even more childlike than the Bluth children. Right. Yes. Definitely. But yes, he loses his hand uh, to a loose seal. Not loose seal, but a loose seal that bites it off. But I mean, his his whole thing <laughs> is the Oedipus complex. Basically, like everything that happens to him is to do with a loose, with Lucille or a loose seal or, you know, and Lucille, of course, being his mother. He dates Lucille too. Yes. <laughs> well, Oedipus complex. I mean, <laughs> that, that indeed. That in that instance of of the the him losing his hand thing though I bring it up because that is a major callback and even a foreshadowing because that you know th- there's foreshadowing to it because you know they talk a lot about hooks there's that Captain Hook thing at Mother Boy he was Captain Hook also but but um, Michael as a child was in that Peter Pan play where he's saying you're a cook a crook Captain Hook and all that uh, Buster had that hand chair in his home yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the maid had taken it at one point, and he's like, "Oh, I thought I'd lost this." And, and it's like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, there's just so many instances where they hint that it's going to happen, and then they reference it mercilessly. Of course, after it has, it becomes his defining feature, essentially." I kind of love that he's secretly the smartest, like book smarts Bluth, but he's like the dumbest in everything else. I mean, even dumber than the other ones. It's high, all high intelligence, no, no, li- no wisdom. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah he he could figure he he could figure out uh, you know how, how to use a computer or something like that. But like, yeah, not, how to open like cereal box like boggles his mind. I'm sure. So, <laughs> actually, there's a joke about well, that. He thought the blue did well. He had trouble because of the hook. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. Couldn't open things. I'm a monster. Yeah. And he bangs the robot because he's half machine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it, is, it is implied. Oh, that's right. That's but, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So many wonderful. What, what, wonderful what other blues haven't got enough, uh, enough love? Um, let's see. Uh, we, we really haven't talked too much about Lindsay. So I think Lindsay's basically her, her divining features are that she uh, is a waffler. And that, I mean, that to me, that's what I see. Like she's all in on something and then she changes her mind. And that, 
to the greatest effect of of, of uh, her and Tobias's relationship. She's all in when she does when he doesn't want her around, and and she's not in at all when he wants her there. Like when she's oh, whipping yeah. the car around. Yeah, <laughs> she gets really caught up in causes, and um, and like be- doing benefits and fundraisers and things like that, and pretends to care. Well, maybe maybe even believes that she cares about different causes and stuff like that. But she's very lazy and very selfish and doesn't follow through with anything. And in the times that she does follow through with the things. It's usually the cause of great calamity and disaster, and you know because her involvement is well, she's dumb. She's not dumb, but she's incompetent at executing these things. What about Michael? I mean, we we haven't really talked too much about him either. We talked about the side characters more than him. Um, That's true. He's technically the main character. Michael, Jason Bateman, Michael. Yes. Yes. Yes, not, not not George Michael, not George or Michael, Michael Senior. Yeah, <laughs> that's that is it is kind of confusing. I think because you get all these different characters who have very similar names. <laughs> but um, I like Michael. I think he does the best. He tries to be a good dad. He tries to be a good uh, like family member. You know, you you have to always be there for family. His motto, and I think that he tries to stay true to that as much as he can. Except for when he's bursting into the room and screaming, I've had it up to here with this family. I hope you saved yeah. every last time because we're going to Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> and then he th- has to turn to around. To yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that when he finally goes to Phoenix in, in season four because he's through with that lousy family of his. He gets out of the he's out of the airport for approximately 30 seconds before realizing that Phoenix is a, a hellhole. Of like you know 130 degrees in the you know in the shade type of a thing, and he just turns right around and goes back to L.A. Yeah, <laughs> He's like screw this. Which right now L.A. is not probably that much cooler than no, no. Luckily not. <laughs> I feel like Michael is is uh, is definitely one of the characters. His his defining trait is that he's more like the family uh, than he realizes. I mean, especially you see it uh, really manifest in season four. Um, where he's just kind of on his own, and he's just—he's—he's he's basically become in season four as selfish as the rest of the Bluths. He keeps telling himself that he's better than that, but he's not. Yeah. Well, it's a good point because in the original series, basically most of his dialogue is chastising his family for being lazy or stealing from the company or just basically trying to control them essentially you know like try and fix them or or that kind of thing and when they're not around he's just got nothing to do his all of his defining personality traits are gone essentially Hmm. so he He becomes a bluth at his core yeah he is himself when he's with his family which Mm -hmm. he hates right (laughs) right exactly But he's just as deeply flawed as all of them, and I think he might be as oblivious as the rest of them about that fact. I don't know if he really ever catches on to the fact that he acts at his core just like them. I think he would not ever admit that to himself. No. <laughs> that's that's true, too. Well, he's always, I mean, just like the rest of them, he's always scheming, too. Like, the, the scene where he's just trying to stay in George Michael's uh, room in season four. And I only bring up season four more because that was the most recent thing I watched. 
but uh, it's true when he's trying to do like the, the law things like, oh, we should absolutely lie. We shouldn't lie. We should lie. We shouldn't lie, you know, back and forth, depending on uh, what's better for him at the time. We also, we haven't mentioned it all, maybe. Oh, gosh. Maybe. Gosh, yeah, we haven't mentioned maybe. And she, I think she is little mini Lucille Blue. Yes. Yes. To the core. Like, she does things just to piss off Lindsay and Tobias. She becomes a movie producer for, uh, you know, a couple episodes. She is just so manipulative and conniving, but I love her character so much. Man, isn't she a movie producer for like most like of seasons season, two and three? Yeah, yeah. right. Then she gets like found out, and then she goes back to doing the... it in season four. Until right, Kitty. Yeah, kicks they find out. out she's sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, Kitty Sanchez. I guess another memorable sign character. Oh, sure. Oh, this sure. is the last. Judy. Greer. This is the last you'll ever see it's me, Michael. This is the last time you'll see these. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Spring break. Woo. Yeah, great. It, it, that's the thing about this show. Um, there is there isn't even like little minor characters, like secondary or tertiary characters that are badly written or, or hastily thought out or anything like that. Like maybe the one offs, like Judge Reinhold's appearance or or that family con- uh, image consultant for one episode or something like that. Um, but like anybody that gets a little bit of screen time, I think it's very well thought out. Barry Zuckercorn. Fun to watch. Uh, yeah. Barry Zuckercorn is, is who's the private eye as a, the Henry Winkler is that Oh, Gene Parmesan. Yes. Oh my God. I love the Gene dude from Parmesan. Roseanne. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Gene. Yeah. It's just, it's so silly. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Carl Weathers as himself as an extremely like tight wide cheap version of himself. Yeah. <laughs> I buy all my cars at police auction. <laughs> a little bit of meat. Yeah, you got yourself a you stew. You got yourself a stew, baby. <laughs> Don't throw those rib bones away. <laughs> listeners, list, oh. listeners, we are not giving you any spoilers here. Trust us. Like we are just scratching the surface of the depth of jokes in this in this series. If you liked spaceballs or whatever, um, I'm getting ahead myself. But uh, yeah, this is this is so joke dense. So, all right. Anything else? Otherwise, let's go to the uh, decision. Okay, let's see if the folks back at THX 1138 Ranch have gotten back to their plot line. Ah, yes. Here they are. Why all this scheming anyway? Haven't you done enough to Mike and Pete? I'm no one now, Rapist, but methinks you might have a tad bit obsession with the digital duo. For God's sake, you fool, don't you understand? She didn't. Our rivalry is one for the ages. Both sides are giving all their hearts, minds, and souls to do battle with each other until one of us stands victorious over the other. Actually, it was more like the Lucille 1-Lucille 2 relationship. Mike and Peter Lucille 2. Just think about it. Look, if you don't think they're plotting to pull a big one over on me, just listen to their podcast that we're illegally surveilling but especially Tobias. Um, and it's fun to put them together. And she doesn't care for Job. No. But <laughs> See, I told you they're up to no good. It sounds like they're discussing Arrested Development. How much longer will this go on? If I know Mike and Pete, probably longer than you want it to. I mean, how much longer will this eavesdropping go on? Eavesdropping? You think that's what this is about? No, no. 
When Pete foolishly put that disc in the player, he sealed their fate. Not only can I listen in on them, but I actually have the ability to control their minds. Oh boy. Don't believe me? Absolve. So, now we've gotten to the point that you've all been waiting for, where we decide if this is a sacred TV show, Bovinus Sanctorum, or if it should be put out to pasture, Bovinus Excommunicato. So, as is tradition, uh, our guest, Nika, would you like to go first and tell us whether you think it is sacred or not? I think that Arrested Development is, was, and always will be sacred. Whew. I'm relieved to hear you say that. I was a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how that was going to swing. I hate watch this show. No. Yeah. <laughs> I always glowingly review things times. I hate. And it's the worst show ever. Why don't Why don't I just uh, get get this out in the open right now and say that I also feel that this show is is very sacred. Um you know, if you only like super sad, like World War Two <laughs> dramas, the this might not be your favorite thing in the entire world. But this show, if you like to laugh, you will laugh when you watch this show. You will laugh the entire time you're watching it. And you might just start another viewing of it after you've been watched the whole series like I did. It's uh, what I've been watching it for four years and I've been through it five times. And I'll bet you this series I'll probably watch every year or two, you know, going forward it. in the future. It, it's definitely fun. Uh, wait just long enough to forget some of the jokes and then watch it again. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's one of those shows that I don't I think that my decision for it to be sacred comes from it is a show that doesn't diminish the entertainment no matter how many times you watch it. Like, if you watch it the first time, like you said earlier, the jokes are funny. But if you keep watching it, you start noticing the jokes go through things and callbacks and just, like, little details. And it makes you appreciate the show that much more every single time. 100%. So, Mike, you're going to probably go against the grain on this one, I'm guessing. No. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. No, I actually agree. This is a this is definitely a sacred one for me. Um uh like you both said, um multi- this rewards multiple viewings. Definitely uh, so much foreshadowing in those early episodes of of jokes that they want to do that they eventually get to, um like Buster losing his hand and and different things like that. You're just like, "Oh yeah, you know, the second time you through like, "Oh my god, I see this coming a thousand miles away, you know, now." Um, and it's so joke dense and I was getting to this earlier. It's like, um, we talked about, uh, you know, we did, uh, space balls before and some other comedy movies. Like this is definitely in the vein of, of that kind of thing. Although, um, it, again, it's like a, it's a smart, dumb humor. There's a lot of smart things going on. It's also dumb as hell in the best ways. So, I think if you're into that kind of thing where it's like dumb, but you get the layers, that's good. And also, I think there actually is some legitimate, like, uh, I don't know, you actually care about these people despite the fact that they're horrible. Um, yeah. You know, you care what happens to them. Yeah. You want to see them succeed, but when you love it when they fail too, you know, that's... <laughs> They're like a terrible, lovable family. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I don't think that you want them to succeed, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, 
you don't want to see them utterly destroyed either. So, you know, yeah, a lovable family that says terrible, terrible things and have horrible beliefs and manners. You're, you're rooting for them to remain uh, a mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> so, because otherwise it's not funny. Right, right. <laughs> we want. We want them to struggle, but not completely and totally, you know, fail. fall on their face. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's funnier that I, way. I love seeing those moments between like Michael and Joe where they're like, oh, I love you. I love you. And then like, uh, you know, two seconds later, they're at each other's throats. You know, it's it's great. It's great. Again. Yeah. <laughs> it's They have enough of those like little, they're just a few seconds, but they're small moments where they have actual emotion and then it goes right back into jokes. And it's enough to let you know that like, it almost functions like a real family. Like if you have a sibling that you fight with all the time, you're like, well, yeah, I love my brother, but I'm never going to like tell him that or I might <laughs> tell him once and then immediately punch him afterwards right. to be like, Hey, I love you, but I'm not going to be nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have the, the unanimous, um, sacred. So woohoo. Great job. Arrested development. That's no surprise in this one. I, I just I just want to say that uh, I think this is this is a very important series. Um, like I said, it it really um, led into lots of the way that other comedies were written. Like I mentioned before, How I Met Your Mother, the serialized um, jokes and things like that that carried on seasons to seasons. It also revitalized the the career of uh, Jason Bateman. Now you know he's a, an A list actor and in all kinds of uh, movies from you know, gross out farce movies to, you know, romantic comedies and, and everything in between. And now he's doing, I guess, some Netflix original show called Ozark. It's sort of like a, uh, sort of his take on like a Breaking Bad type thing. So yeah, I think this was a very, very important show. Very important show. Well, I'm still waiting to see your cockamamie plan in action. Only a Disney lawyer would say something as dumb as cockamamie. Why won't the main function of this mind infiltration disc work? Well, I think I might see the problem right here. Is this the packaging for an HD DVD on your table? Yeah, so? Talk about behind the times. HD DVD hasn't been a thing for over 10 years, just like your career. If you were hoping to control Mike and Pete with an HD DVD, you'd better hope they're ancient video player aficionados. Well, I'm sorry. I guess I've just been culturally irrelevant for so long that I didn't know HD DVD players weren't still in people's homes. There's no joke here. That's just kind of sad. Meanwhile, back in the studio, Nika was expressing her surprise to Mike and Pete that nothing terrible had befallen them at the hands of their incompetent rival, who was really wishing that he had Blu-rayed himself. Huh, well, I guess I was wrong to worry about that package you got from George. Wait a minute, what? We got a package from George? Yes! What the hell do you think that was that we got at the beginning of the show? Just some random video mailed from a rural address? THX... 1138, does that mean anything to you? Oh yeah, that terrible sci-fi movie from the early 70s. Yeah, a real piece of crap. We'd never do a show on it. Can't even remember who made it. George! George made it! That, that son of a... a... Quick! Get whatever it was he sent us out of that player! On it! It's a... What the fuck? It's an HD DVD! What? Are you sure? Believe me, I'd know. Netflix was always sending me those things in the mail by accident ten years ago. It has on the label, Ha ha ha, you are Haxord by Delete George. 
All our baits are belong to him? Hardly. Okay, well, um, with that, uh, Nika, is there anything you'd like to plug, and where the heck can we find you on the internet and all the places? Um, you can find me at Twitter, or on Twitter, at Nika underscore Howard. Um, I have Instagram, which I think is just the same thing, but I don't post often there. Uh, you can also find me on Drunks and Dragons on Twitter. That's at D&D Podcast. Um, let's see. I do love to hate with Brad, Steph, and Kim. And Wintercrest slash Monster Hearts with Tim, or not Tim, with Tara, <laughs> uh, Josh, and Bajaya. Wow. Cool. That's a lot. I think you mentioned Tim Stay because busy. you're also on Random Encounters um, uh, Dark Blaze. Oh, and Nor, yeah, oh, Norhall uh, with Tim. Yep. And yeah, uh, Courtney, Matt, and Matthew, and Josh. So just a few podcasts. So yeah, it's like, what, four or five? Yeah. Radical. <laughs> Something for every night of the week. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Pete, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at MilfordMan82. No, that's a joke. Sorry, a little Arrested Development uh, carryover. Uh, I'm actually at, well, I'm no tweet Pete at not underscore wheat, W-E-E-T underscore Pete. I will hate myself <laughs> until the day I die for that stupid underscore placement. I'll fix it one of these days. But honestly, I, I still check it every once in a while, but a, a good conduit to me would be to actually uh, tweet my ever-present wife, uh, Dirty MM86. Uh, How Twitter. do I find also, Pete? She's more my, she's my millennial wife, who's my pipeline to the inter, the interwebs and the social medias. All right, and you can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm at White Morph. You can also find all of uh, Sacred Cows tonight at Sacred Cows Pod. Uh, we also have an email address, sacredcows at heroofthewebcom for your more long form needs, and or if you want to send us a script suggestion for. Uh, any of our uh, sketch segments. Um, finally, uh, we just want you to send us those sweet, sweet iTunes reviews. Get us those uh, five-star reviews especially. It really helps uh, other people find the show. And I know that we've, uh, ever since uh, GeeklyCon 2017, we've had quite a uh, new group of listeners, bigger group of listeners. So uh, just Yay. get us those five-star Welcome. reviews. Yeah, and uh, help other people find us as well. So... That would be awesome. And we'll probably give you a, a funny thing to do if you if you hate our show is to go onto iTunes and just put a five star review on there anyway. That's <laughs> it's just hilarious. We'd have a good laugh about that one. Ha ha ha. Yeah, to be a laugh like that. Uh that is all we have tonight, folks. Well, thank you, Nika, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to talk to a true fan of the Arrested oh, Development. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It was super fun, guys. I'm glad we got to talk about And thank you for continuing yeah, to be a Sacred a Cows time. player and coming in on uh, episodes that you're not uh, on the whole thing. Heck yeah, anytime. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Good night, Internet. On the next episode of Sacred Cows Tonight, Mike and Pete decide to cash in on the real play podcast craze with the tabletop gaming show of their own. All right, nice. Double red card. I'm almost all the way to the castle. I'm back to the fucking gumdrop again. Ah! Disembodied voice guy decides to pay George a visit in person. Hello? Anyone? Is this another ding-dong dash? 
Nope, it's me, in the flesh, so to speak. Oh my god, you're the one from Mike and Pete's answering machine. Yep, how would you like to hear a real Wilhelm scream? Yours. I have a bad feeling about this. You're not allowed to say that anymore. Nika makes the jump from podcasting to live television star. John Beard, Evening News. Local woman's exuberance at a podcasting award show is so intense it requires police intervention. I just want to thank everyone so much. I'm so honored. Wait, what are you doing? No, no, get away. You'll never be seeing these again. Story at 11. And after his treatment at the hands of disembodied voice guy, George comes to a conclusion under duress. I'll never harass Mike and Pete again. He will. I promise. I promise you, he will. Sacred Cows Tonight is a production of Sacred Cows Tonight. Executive producers Mike and Pete. All sketches were performed by Eli Ramsey, Mike, Pete, and Nika Howard, and were edited and produced by Pete. The sketches comprising Arrested Sacred Cows Tonight were written by Pete. Main portions of the episode are edited by Eli Ramsey. Want to contribute your sketch to Sacred Cows Tonight? Email us your script or proposal to sacredcows at heroeoftheweb.com.